Amen. Well, I had a uh, great time at Fuel this past week. Uh, Fuel, uh, for those of you who don't know, Fuel's uh, the national uh, youth uh, camp uh, that our conference holds each year. It's for uh, people going in eighth grade on up. Um, And growing up, Fuel was typically my favorite week of the year. Uh, Many of my closest friends lived across the country, and I got to see them every year at Fuel. Um, On top of that, uh, the worship services, uh, having them uh, twice a week. They were done on a uh, far grander scale uh, than what I was used to um, going to uh, being raised in a small church. Um, There were a a bunch of fun activities throughout the day, lots uh, of really good role models there. It's just uh, typically my favorite week of the year. And to this day, Fuel is still one of my favorite weeks of the year. Uh, My week uh, looks different than when I was a student going, though. Uh, For one, uh, I get injured uh, easier playing volleyball Thursday and... uh, Serve coming my way, and it hit the net, and I redirect myself, and my knee just gave out on me. And uh, I don't know uh, what exactly happened, but uh, that's supposed to happen uh, to people, not me. Uh, That's supposed to happen to older folk. Uh, But there I was. Uh, (laughs) And now I have uh, responsibilities uh, while I'm there, and my personal experience at Fuel is not the primary focus of the week. I'm there to help make Fuel uh, awesome for the students, just like a number of of other staff members did for me when I was a student. While serving on staff, though, uh, this past week, I still get to see uh, a few of my closest friends. Uh, uh, some of my closest friends, uh, they are now, uh, they used to go as a student, and now they are serving as a staff member as well. And, and I enjoy uh, spending time with them as we are serving as staff together. And when I spend uh, time with a couple of these guys uh, in particular, uh, we often get into debates. Uh, We can uh, debate about any and everything, and it can get uh, quite exhausting uh, for me, whether uh, we're debating about uh, who the greatest athlete is, or we're we're debating uh, about uh, religion, we're debating about the Bible, debating about politics, uh, you name it, any and everything. Uh, This year at Fuel, uh, we found ourselves uh, debating uh, what it meant when God a hardened Pharaoh's heart. Um, And so we were talking about this uh, pretty extensively. Um, After uh, about an hour, we were talking out in the halls and we moved into uh, my bedroom. After about an hour of discussing this in my bedroom, pretty much most of the same points getting brought up over and over again. I said, all right, I'm retiring. I'm done. So I fell asleep uh, in my room with the lights on around 2 a.m. while the others uh, continued to debate uh, right there in uh, their room. Uh, Does anybody else have friends like that? Uh, where it just seems like uh, when you get together with them, uh, we, we just get into debates about whatever uh, the case may be. And these debates uh, that I had, uh, although harmless uh, off, uh, oftentimes, uh, these debates that I had with my friends uh, came to my mind when I read through uh, chapter 14 of Romans this past week. And we get to continue talking about uh, the book of Romans as we continue our series on Romans, the foundation of our faith. And so today we're, we're covering uh, chapter 12 of Romans. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to uh, chapter 14. If not, the words uh, will be projected. Uh, behind me. 
So uh, just to remind ourselves, Paul wanted to preach the gospel message to the church at Rome, the church that consisted of Jews and Gentiles. In the meantime, though, he was going to write a letter presenting this gospel message to the church at Rome. And I kind of break down the letter of Romans into three sections. The first section, the first couple chapters of the book, Paul is writing all about uh, our sin as mankind and our need of salvation. The second part of the letter, uh, the, the lengthiest part, uh, where he dives into uh, many details and looking at this same topic topic from many different views, Paul talks about God's plan of salvation for us that revolves around our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then finally, uh, the third uh, section of this letter started uh, in chapter 12. It's all about how to live a Christian life, where we know why we ought to live a Christian life. That's because uh, without living a Christian life, uh, we, are, uh, we all have sin in our life. We're in need of salvation. Um, and if we put our faith in God and his son, Jesus, then that is how we accept God's free gift of grace, God's free gift of salvation uh, for us. And, and so that's why we live a Christian, but, but now we have to talk about how to live a Christian life. What does it look like to live a life that, that is lived by faith? And so we've been progressing through this uh, last section of Romans, the practical application of how to live a Christian life. And, and we pick up here in chapter 14 in the midst uh, of this practical talk that Paul is giving to the church at Rome. And Paul writes in the first six verses of chapter 14, and he says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let the one who eats, uh, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he, gave, uh, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. <clears throat> so Paul here in chapter 14, he said that we are to welcome those uh, who have a weaker faith. But he says we're to welcome those uh, who have a weaker faith, but not to quarrel over opinions. We, we, we are not to, to argue, we're not to quarrel over these different opinions that uh, more established Christians may hold and, and uh, newer Christians uh, may hold. And Paul gives uh, two uh, examples of this in his day and age. Uh, these are examples uh, th that I would believe that the church at Rome uh, was experienced for a while to uh, talk about us, uh, this particular topic. And so the, the first example that Paul gives of, of not quarreling over these different opinions opinions is that of what we can eat and what we cannot eat. And so this church at Rome that Paul is dealing with and whom he is writing this letter to, this church consisted of both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. So there were people who put their faith in, in the Lord uh, Christ Jesus, and they either had a Jewish background and that uh, they, they were law-abiding Jews, or they uh, had a uh, background of the Gentile. They, they did not belong uh, to the Jewish family. They, they did not uh, abide by uh, the commands of the Old Testament. 
And so these two different groups of Christians, they come together in one church. I mean, we, we, we see that uh, take place all the time. Uh, people with different backgrounds coming together to form one church. And so these people, uh, yeah, sure, I'll take that. I was losing my voice uh, through uh, the week at Fuel. Thank you, John. Uh, and so these uh, two different uh, backgrounds uh, between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians, thank you. Uh, they, uh, they, they, they sometimes let their backgrounds bleed into how they practice their faith. And so in, Le- in Leviticus chapter 11, we won't go there, we won't read it, but if you were to read Leviticus chapter 11, you'll see that Moses records uh, the different food laws that the Israelites were to abide by. Uh, and, and so for these Jewish Christians, uh, their background, they, they would have abided by all of these different food laws uh, that God uh, outlined for uh, the Israelites. And God was rather strict about what the Israelites could eat and what they could not. And and this is a point that that we stress often, but this was not because God likes to just uh, execute his authority for no apparent reason. No, that's not the type of God that we serve and that we worship. Uh, These food laws that that God instilled for the Israelites, it was for their own benefit. Uh, These food laws were for their own safety. For example, uh, these Israelites, they didn't know about bacteria. That's a rather uh, modern uh, invention, uh, not invention, uh, but a modern uh, discovery of bacteria. People didn't know about that for thousands of years. Uh, God was trying to protect them from these harmful uh, bacteria with with some of these food laws that he instilled for his chosen people. And so some Christians, I I would think that they mostly be uh, the Jewish Christians that Paul's dealing with. Some of these Christians were still abiding by these food laws. They, 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 would, they would abstain uh, from pork and, and bacon, and, and those are uh, the two most well-known uh, uh, things that were prohibited uh, that they could eat. But they were abstaining from, from all these different unclean foods that, that were unclean uh, in uh, the Old Covenant. Uh, Paul actually calls these people, these group of people who are abstaining from these foods, he calls them weak, as in they are weaker in their faith. Uh, That's due to them not realizing the freedom that they have through Jesus. As through Jesus, we have been opened up to a new covenant with God. And so some Christians abided by these food laws, but some Christians, they did not abide by these food laws uh, written in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, for they understood the freedom that we have through Christ Jesus. And so for those who ate anything, who, who didn't stay away uh, from, from the food that was once deemed unclean, they were not to despise those who, who practiced the different food laws. They, they were not to get irritated or, or ridicule uh, those who would only eat certain foods due to the old covenant. On the other hand, uh, for those who would abstain from certain foods, uh, Paul says that they should not pass judgment on those who eat freely. We, we, we shouldn't, base, uh, we, we shouldn't uh, pass judgments on matters of opinion. That, that is not uh, the time nor the place to pass our judgments on, on our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I think this is something uh, that the Christians uh, get wrong so often. So, so I'll say it, that there is a time to judge. I think there is a time to, to judge uh, those uh, around us, specifically those within the church. Paul uh, records in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians 5, verses 12 and 13, Paul writes, For what have I to do with judging outsiders, that, that is, people outside of the church? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, purge the evil person from among you. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 that we are to judge our fellow Christians when they are walking in sin. 
Now, why? Why, why in the world would, would Paul encourage us to, to judge our fellow Christians when they are walking in sin? Well, one, that this judgment hopefully encourages them, hopefully uh, pushes them in, in the direction to repent for, from whatever sin that they are committing. That This judgment is for their own benefit, is for their own good. If someone is habitually walking in a life of sin... That is not a life of faith. That, 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 that is not a life in which you can accept God's free gift of salvation. And so it's for their own benefit. And on top of that, it can also protect those around them. It can protect the people around them from falling into that same trap of sin. And, and so I just wanted to make that abundantly clear, clear as, as when I look at uh, Christian circles uh, worldwide, I think we often uh, misunderstand this concept of uh, judgment, uh, but we're called to judge those uh, within the church, holding them to a higher standard. We, we have a higher uh, code of morality that we are to follow as we are Christ's disciples. But when it comes to matters of opinions, that is not the time to judge at all. When, when it comes to whether or not we, we should uh, be eating of these foods or not, Paul says that that, that is not the time to judge. Th these are matters uh, of opinions that, that we should not be judging uh, one another. And so that's the first example that Paul gives uh, of not quarreling, not arguing over uh, different opinions. The second example that Paul gives of not quarreling over opinions is about making one day more important than the others. To law-abiding Jews, uh, they uh, viewed Saturday as more important as that was uh, the Sabbath rest. And the Sabbath rest was something that was extremely important to the Jews. And so some of these uh, Christians who had a Jewish background, uh, most likely they, they would view uh, these particular days as more important than the others. And so these Christians were hanging on to this notion established uh, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. But Paul warns us that, that, we, should not, uh, that we should not quarrel over uh, this opinion of if one day is more important than the other days as well. Um, as some of the people, they viewed all days alike. Uh, but this was not a matter in which we should quarrel about. This is not a matter in which we should argue about with one another. Uh, for uh, the person who, who understands the freedom that we have in Jesus, they're not to ridicule uh, the person who, who is abiding uh, by uh, the, these old rules. And for the people who, who are abiding by these old rules, they, they are not to pass judgment on those who are not uh, abiding by these particular rules. And so no matter if you eat all the food or if you abstain from some, some food or if you observe the Sabbath rest or not, Paul says that we are to do it all in honor of the Lord. Verse 6, the one who observes the day, that, that is the, the Sabbath day, the Sabbath rest, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, the one who abstains uh, from these few laws, the one who stay, abstains from uh, a legalistic uh, Sabbath rest, uh, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. And so no matter what our lives look like, we shall strive to please the Lord and bring him glory and honor with our lives. No, no matter what our opinions uh, bring us to do, whether our opinions uh, motivate us to abstain from certain foods or not, or if our opinions uh, motivate us to uh, legalistically uh, abide by a Sabbath rest or not. And everything that we do, it should all be for the honor of the Lord. And we are giving thanks to God. 
And so my question for you all here in these first six verses, as Paul is talking about not quarreling over opinions and giving two practical examples in his day, what does this passage mean for us today? What does it mean for us today in the 21st century within the church? Well, I think that, that it means we shouldn't quarrel over matters of opinion. Uh, I'll say it bluntly, uh, nowhere in the Bible uh, does it say uh, that the wall of a church should be a certain color or the flooring should be a certain material. Uh, nowhere in the Bible does it say uh, what the order of service should be or what sort of format uh, we should uh, share our prayer requests and uh, praises with one another. And I'm not picking on anyone specific here. In general, our church, all of us as a family, uh, in the past, we have uh, failed in this regard. And I don't think we're the only ones. I I think we are we fit in with, with the other church all the other churches as well i'm sure every church and its existence has fallen into this trap of quarreling over matters of opinions for it is so easy to do so it's the natural thing to do to, to quarrel uh, as we sometimes we have a lot of emotions and feelings tied with these different opinions that we have and we have these emotions tied with these opinions it's hard. It's hard not to quarrel over these opinions. And so again, I'm not picking on anyone specific here. In general, our church as a whole in the past has failed in this regard. And I think just about every church in the 21st century has failed in this regard. I think the church at Rome that Paul is dealing with has failed in this regard. For why else would he talk about this particular topic? And so Paul says, let's not quarrel over these matters of opinions. That, that is a behavior today that goes against the Bible. It goes against God's word. The, the, this uh, behavior of quarreling over matters of, op of opinion, that is a sinful behavior. I'll call it for what it is. It is sinful behavior to quarrel over matters of opinion. And, and, and uh, I don't think any church, I don't want our church to engage in sinful behavior. For when we find ourselves quarreling over matters of opinion, that, that is extremely divisive. All the meanwhile, Jesus is praying for us to be unified, to be one, just as he and his father are one. They, they have the same objectives, the same goals. They, they want the same things. And so Jesus here praying that we can be one just like he and his father are one. And yet sometimes uh, we, we may find in the past that we quarrel over these matters of opinion, uh, which can be extremely divisive. And so please, don't engage uh, in these quarrels over opinions. Call them for what they are. They are acts of sin. Don't partake in this act of sin. If you're not a part of the solution, then there's a decent chance that, that you are a part of the problem. And so for, uh, again, I have to ex express this extremely abundantly here, not, not picking on anyone specifically, but our whole church has failed in, in this regard in the past. Uh, can I be real for you guys uh, for a minute here? Uh, there have been uh, more than once uh, when I go home after a rough day and uh, I tell Jamie, all right, let's just pack up our things. Let's go move uh, home uh, with my family up in Michigan or you move to your family down in South Carolina. Uh, there have been moments uh, where I just want to raise my white flag, throw in the towel, um, as it can be disheartening uh, to have a passion in sharing the gospel message and a week later, uh, a day later, uh, five minutes later, having to deal with, with the quarreling of of opinions. Um, I can assure you that's not why uh, 
these different leaders move away from their home, father, mother, brothers, or sisters, and friends uh, to deal with quarreling opinions. And I'm not the only uh, leader in this world. This isn't a pity party uh, for me. I, I got it easy. Uh, when, we, when, we, when we read through some of the heroes of our faith, we read about Moses and dealing uh, with the quarreling of the opinions of the people then. And Moses didn't just want to uh, uh, wave his white flag. You know what Moses wanted to do? He wanted to die. He wanted God to kill him right then and there because he was tired of dealing with, with these quarreling of opinions. Uh, Elijah in his ministry, he, he uh, states that he wants to die. Jonah says that he wants to die. I've got it easy uh, compared to these guys. Uh, but somewhere along the line, we have missed the point of the church when we quarrel over opinions. Somewhere along the line, we, we have missed the point of the gospel-saving message when we quarrel over opinions. We've missed the point of Christ's teachings when we quarrel over opinions. We've missed the point of God's love for us and his grace for us when we quarrel over opinions. It's pretty childish and immature when we partake of this behavior. And so my call for the church Let's let the past be the past and not let the past seep into our present or our future. Let's let the main thing be the main thing. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. amen. All right. And so Paul continues. Uh, he kind of shifts gears uh, here a bit, starting in verse 7. So Paul says in verse 7, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So here, uh, Paul, in verses uh, 7 through uh, 12 here, he's saying, In all that we do, we are to live for God. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Uh, it reminds uh, me, me a bit uh, of, and this holds true for any uh, camp uh, or uh, whatever the case, the staff members no longer living for themselves and, and their, their own personal experience, but, but they're living, uh, they're, they're serving there to help uh, the experience of the students uh, attending. And we, in our day-to-day -day lives, it's not about our own personal experience. It's not about what we can get out uh, of our lives. It's about what the Lord can get out of our life. How can we serve the Lord today? How can we bring glory and honor to the Lord with all that we eat, all that we drink, and all that we do? For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Everything we, should, we do should bring God glory and honor. And again, uh, Paul uh, brings up this point in verses uh, 10 through 12 of not passing judgment on our brothers. Um, and he's dealing with, with the uh, immediate context of quarreling over these opinions. And I think that's uh, what Paul's talking about. I don't think Paul would contradict himself and what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 5. I think Paul, again, dealing with these matters of opinions that 
who are we to judge uh, other people uh, on whether they uh, abide by the Sabbath rest or not, on uh, whether uh, they uh, eat uh, particular foods or not, on uh, what color carpet they like or, or not? Who, who are we to make these judgments? Paul makes it abundantly clear in uh, the latter half of verse 10, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And then verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Those are, those are alarming words. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. What does your account look like? What is your account going to look like to God as you give an account of yourself to God? You have to make sure that one day when we do give that account, we can tell the Lord, we confess to the Lord that all we do, we live for you and we die for you as well, Lord. I hope and pray that's what we can all account of ourselves to God uh, one day. And so Paul continues in verse 13 here of chapter 14. He says, therefore, let's not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean, unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual uh, building. And so Paul himself states here uh, in verses uh, 13 through 19, Paul himself states that he's convinced that no food is unclean, that if he were uh, to eat uh, some bacon, that that would not be a harmful, that, that would not be a sinful practice uh, to eat of uh, this bacon. He, he was convinced that there was freedom found in the name of Christ Jesus and, and that we have a new covenant. And in many ways, this new covenant is holding us to an even higher standard to the old covenant, where once... Uh, uh, it was sinful uh, to, to sleep with another man's wife. Well, now, Jesus says, it's sinful to even lust after another person. I mean, we're, we're taken to, to a whole nother level throughout uh, this new covenant, these new teachings uh, that, that are uh, taught to us throughout the New Testament. And so Paul says that, that he's convinced through these new teachings, uh, through Christ Jesus, this freedom that we have through Christ Jesus, that, that, we, uh, that there really are no longer foods that are unclean for us. However, Paul also said that we are to not let uh, what we do, what we eat or drink, cause our brother to stumble. If Paul were to eat bacon in front of other Christians who still thought that it was unclean to do so, then he would be serving as a stumbling block for his brother. That would not be a loving response to your brother. And so Paul says, uh, even if what, uh, your, your opinions, these matters of opinions, don't quarrel over them, but at the same time of not quarreling over these matters of opinion, don't be a stumbling block to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ as well, even when it comes to these different matters of opinions. Uh, probably a, a more common example uh, today uh, would be that of alcohol. 
If a fellow Christian is grieved uh, when you drink alcohol uh, by them, uh, then just simply don't drink alcohol in, in front of them. Uh, where would be the love in that? Uh, some people uh, ascribe to a, a much more a strict view, a, a strict opinion on how uh, we shall uh, consume alcohol. Uh, and some people ha have a more loose uh, interpretation of how uh, we uh, should consume alcohol. And so for, for the sake of those who have a more uh, strict interpretation, more strict opinion of how uh, we consume alcohol, then be consider of that. Don't, don't be a stumbling block to those around you when it comes to these different matters of opinion. Where would be the love in that? Where would be the love? And then Paul also talks about uh, the, the, the kingdom of God, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So this kingdom uh, of God here, Paul is kind of talking about uh, the kingdom of God as a present reality. You know, the, the church today serves as a glimpse uh, of the fulfillment of the coming kingdom within this present evil age. Uh, Paul talks about a number of times how we are living in a present evil age, a, a world that, that, that is ruled by, by sin and darkness. But within the, this world, that this age uh, of evil, the church serves as a, a shining light of God's love for the world. And, and the church serves as a glimpse or a preview, a trailer, uh, whatever you want to call it, serves as a preview of the coming kingdom. Where a kingdom uh, is, is, is a very a political idea. A kingdom, you need a ruler, you need, a, you need followers, and you need a piece of land. And in and, and God's coming kingdom, there's going to be a ruler. Uh, Jesus is going to hand all of authority. He's going to hand all things over to his father. So, so there's the ruler. There's going to be followers. Everyone uh, who, who lives a life of faith, who accept the free gifts of salvation through their faith, will be in God's coming, king, coming kingdom. Those are the followers. And there will be a land. Uh, God promised to Abraham that his descendants would, would inherit the land forever. And today, we have many ingredients uh, of this kingdom. Hopefully, God and Christ is the ruler of your heart. And we, we, we the church, we have a, a mass of followers. We, we haven't quite yet inherited uh, the promised land yet, but we have the ruler, we have the followers. And so we, the church today, we serve as a glimpse uh, of what the, the fulfillment of the coming kingdom is going to be like. And so then, Paul says, because of this reality, the kingdom of God not being a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. Verse 19, so then, because of this information, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. And so because of all of this information that Paul talks about in these first 18 verses of this chapter, he said, so then... Let us pursue what makes for peace. And again, I would encourage and challenge you all to not just be a peacekeeper, but pursue and strive to be a peacemaker. Is there some sort of relationship? Is there some sort of circumstances that, that is just on rocky water right now where, where there is a lack of peace? I'm guessing most of us uh, could answer yes to that. And if that's the case, 
What are you doing to pursue peace? This isn't just something uh, that we passively let by. Hey, if if there's going to be peace, great, we'll keep it. No, how are we making peace in our day-to-day lives? Let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. And so uh, essentially uh, the opposite of quarreling over these matters of opinions. How can we pursue peace and and make peace and and for mutual uh, building? And then finally, uh, Paul says in the last four verses of chapter 14, he says, do not for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep it between, uh, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But, whatever, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So again, Paul uh, demonstrates this point to not cause your brother or sister in Christ to stumble due to what you eat, due to what you drink, or due to uh, what you do in general. If something caused your brother or sister to stumble in, in their faith, then obviously refrain from doing so. That, that, that is the loving response when, when someone has a, a, a particular idea or concept that causes them to stumble. Stay away from that. And then uh, Paul says, uh, might caught uh, some of you uh, off guard there. Uh, verse 22, the faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Now, when uh, Paul says uh, to keep your faith uh, between God and yourself, I I don't think at all that that he's talking about refraining from talking about the faith that you have in God and Christ Jesus with others. Again, we we have to understand the context. Whenever we are reading through uh, God's scriptures, we have to understand the context, both the immediate context and and even uh, the context that, that is further off. But in the immediate context of what Paul is talking about here, he is talking about uh, not quarreling over these matters of opinions of what you eat, of what you drink, uh, of whether or not you abide by the Sabbath rest. Uh, And he's talking about not being a stumbling block to those around you. So I think what what Paul is saying that the the faith or that belief that you have, keep between yourself and God, I think Paul is talking about these different matters of opinions. Uh, If you believe eating bacon is all right, but the person uh, next to you uh, doesn't, that's all right. That, 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 that issue, uh, that, that problem, uh, that dilemma uh, doesn't need uh, to be resolved. And then finally, uh, verse 23, Paul says, if you eat or drink or do anything that you have doubts about that you think you should not be doing, but you partake of that, then Paul says you, you are actually uh, condemning yourself. Uh, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats. And so if you are on the fence, if you're thinking, ah, this is really not the right thing to be doing in my life, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you, but yet you act anyways, Paul says you, you are condemning yourself. We are to stay away from that. For whatever does not proceed from faith, our faith in God, it is sin. And so that's a, a chapter 14, a rundown of chapter 14. Most of what Paul presents in this chapter revolves around the, these differences of opinions. And when it comes to these differences of opinions, uh, Paul tells us uh, to do two things. Number one, 
We are not to quarrel over these opinions. That, that, that is child's play, uh, uh, quarreling over these matters of opinions. Paul saw it in the church at Rome. Uh, I'm fairly confident he saw that in the church of Rome. We see that uh, in the past in our church. We see that pretty much in, in every church uh, in the history of it, its existence. People quarrel over opinions. This is an immature, it's a sinful behavior that we have to stay away from. And so Paul, Paul says to not quarrel over matters of opinions. And on uh, the other hand, we are not to cause as a stumbling block for our brothers and sisters in Christ when it comes to matters of opinions. If someone has a strict view uh, of how they consume alcohol, then be wise, be smart, be, do the loving thing in that situation and, and refrain from doing so. If someone is strict in, in how uh, they uh, respect and, and participate in the Sabbath rest, be considerate of that uh, when, when you're spending time with them. So, so don't cause uh, your brothers or sisters in Christ to stumble by what you eat, by what you drink, or what we do. Instead of these things, so, so there, there, there's two do not. Do, do not quarrel over opinions and do not uh, uh, cause as, do not be a stumbling block for your brothers and sisters in Christ. So what are we to do? A lot of people uh, sometimes have this misconception that Christianity is just a list uh, of don'ts. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But what are we to do? Instead, Paul says, we are to live and die for the Lord. That means that everything we do, we do it for the glory and honor of our heavenly father. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for this day that you have made. Father, I just pray that everything we do, everything we eat, everything we drink, may be for your glory and for your honor. And Father, to, to help us do that, I just pray that you help us give Help give us a spirit of unity. Help us not quarrel over matters of opinion. Help us not be a stumbling block to those around us, but Father, that we just ultimately seek to glorify you in all that we do, in all that we are. So we love you, God. We thank you for this opportunity to open your word and dissect it and read it together as a family, this opportunity to sing praises to you together as a family. It's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name that we pray. Amen.